a privilege here that you would choose to be here and to participate with us either online or in person when you could be doing anything else on this day, especially a beautiful day in Seattle. Um, so thank you so much for being here. And I want to make sure those of you who are online know if you're not already there, you should go to our online platform, which you could find at onelifeseattle.org forward slash live. The reason why is because Unlike Facebook and YouTube and Vimeo, we have purposely designed this platform to be a place for you to connect and to engage in the best way possible online. Um, so that said, check it out. It's got lots of resources that these other websites don't have, and we just want to make sure you have a good experience. So however you do, join us online. Thank you. And again, seeing your faces, hearing your voices, those of you here in person, um, thank you. Today we are going to close out our sermon series entitled Discipleship, Finding Our Way in Jesus. We've been in this series now. This is week 15. Um, in all the 10 years that uh, Greg and I have been here, I'm not sure we've ever done a series that's gone for 15 weeks. And uh, we've done a ton as far as content and what we've learned. And each week we try to do a recap. And it's hard to cover 15 weeks of content. Um, but the reason why we try to do a basic update on this is because we have this belief that the church, not just our church, but the church in general, has missed the point of discipleship over the years. And so our recap is, is not just to kind of remember, but also to remind us to hear and again and again and again what discipleship is and what it means to find our way in Jesus and how that looks in our everyday life as followers of Jesus. So this week, we're going to do something a little different. We are going to do some refreshing of content, um, but I'm not going to add new content, really. Um, we've gotten plenty. We're going to use some time for processing, and then I hope to kind of leave us with some hopes and dreams as we step into what's next in the fall. If you haven't done so yet, though, want to make sure you have a Bible, want to make sure you have something to write with. If you don't have a Bible, there's some in the back, um, or if you're online, you can use the Bible app. There's a note section there as well. I'm going to say this every week because I just think there's something about learning that when we can look at our Bibles, when we can circle things, when we can write down scriptures and questions and things, helps stick in us. It helps give us more robust conversation and processing. And that's what we're hoping for. So just want to encourage you. There's no shame in going to get a Bible, doing whatever you need to do. Um, and I'm going to pray, and then we'll dive in. Father, Son, Spirit, it is so, so, so good to be together as family, to be with my brothers and sisters here in person and online, joining together in unity to worship, to give you praise, to bring glory to your name, and to pray, and uh, to be in community. And uh, we just ask this morning, as we think about what it means to find our way in you in the midst of a world that is telling us all these different directions to go and different ways to live, we pray that we hear from you, Holy Spirit, that you would encourage us where we need to be encouraged and challenge us where we need to be challenged. Yeah, that we might be your representatives as we go. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So if we go all the way back to the beginning of the series, you remember we talked about this idea that the word disciple, although may show up at church, in our day-to-day -day life, we typically don't use that term, disciple or discipleship. And if someone was to ask you what your faith background is, you probably don't say, I'm a disciple of Jesus. You'd say, I'm a Christian. And that's not a problem, right? That, 
But what we found is that in our culture today, saying you're a Christian isn't necessarily welcomed, isn't necessarily a positive thing for people. And then we looked that back all the way in Jesus' time, that was basically the case as well. We learned that the word disciple shows up in Scripture around 260 plus times, and it's the most common word Jesus used to describe his followers. But the word Christian is only found in the Bible three times in comparison, and it was used primarily by those who were not disciples of Jesus to describe those who were following Jesus, and it generally was not a very positive term. It was like, oh, you're one of those, which is pretty much how it is today, right? It's interesting that this word, disciples, the word Jesus uses to describe his followers, it's throughout the scriptures, and yet it's not in our vocabulary in our day-to-day life. It's just one of the examples in which we see how we've kind of missed this. We learned that the historical context of the rabbi-disciple relationship predates Jesus. And then we learned some terms. The word rabbi means what? Someone, tell me. Teacher or, let me see here, my slide will work. Hmm. Master teacher. There's teacher. Oh, there's our slides going. Awesome. And we also learned that the idea of this teacher was that they had this amazing understanding and wisdom with regards to the scripture, how they understood it and how they applied it to their life. And we also learned that a disciple means what? Learner, student, apprentice. That the disciple was someone who was a follower that was learning the ways of this rabbi. And in order to be a rabbi, you needed to have disciples. And it's this idea that we learned that as a student, it's very different from how we understand a student in our day-to-day life, right? It's not about memorizing these points so that when we take a test, we can fill in the blank. It wasn't about learning a trade. It was about learning a way of life in every context in order to learn how to embody the life of that rabbi in every way. And we had a text that we used all the time throughout this series, Acts 17, 28, that says we live and move and have our being in Jesus. That everything about what we do from moment to moment, how we live, how we breathe, how we interact with people, we root it in who Jesus is in our lives. We learned that the rabbi-disciple relationship was a very intimate and personal one. So when we think of a student-teacher relationship, we think of students sitting almost kind of like we are now. We listen to this teacher, and it's not this very intimate, personal experience, right? That it wasn't so much about learning rules and, and policies and procedures. Rather, it's about doing life together, all together, following a person in order to learn how to be like that person, that that's what this relationship, rabbi-disciple, looked like. Very personal. And we also learned that in order to be a disciple, the rabbi needed to believe you could be like them. They wouldn't ask you to be one of their students if they didn't believe you could actually do it. In other words, they didn't want to waste their time, right? And, and yet what we see is true of us is that Jesus sees every one of us, each and every one of us, is capable of being just like him, which is why he says it to his disciples and he says to us, the same language as all the other rabbis would have used is, yes, you're capable. Come and follow me. Be my disciple. Learn how to be like me. You can do this. And what's amazing is, unlike the disciples of the, or the rabbis of the day, 
when Jesus invites us, he doesn't put us to a test. He doesn't say, okay, now you've got to quote the Ten Commandments. You've got to do this. You've got to tell me how many hours a day you pray. He doesn't have all these prerequisites or any requirements. All are required of us is to simply respond by, yes, I'm going to follow you and start going. And it's this learn-as-you-go process. So, for example, Jesus starts praying, and they're like, wow, you pray different from John the Baptist. Teach us how to do that. So Jesus starts doing it, and he prays another way here and says, oh, we want to learn this way. And as they go throughout this follow-the-leader kind of as-we-go experience, these people start to learn how to embody the same life of Jesus. We also learn that as these first disciples, that was the goal back then, was that you were in a discipleship relationship. That was the ultimate goal if you could get there. And that not very many people did. And so when we understood all of this and we see these pictures of the disciples fishing and being carpenters and doing whatever they're doing and Jesus inviting them to come follow, we understand why they would drop everything because that was the ultimate goal. It doesn't make sense to us why they would do that. But at, now that we understand it, it makes sense. And as a result of doing so, their identity changes. They're no longer the fishermen or, or the tax collectors or whatever it was they were doing. They're now in their true gospel identity a follower of this rabbi which that true gospel identity we learned was rooted in the trinity that we're baptized in the name of the father which makes us what family right this is our identity and we're also baptized in the name of the son which makes us servants and that we're also baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit, which makes us sent ones, or we also talked about this term, missionaries. This is our true gospel identity. And when we have this identity change in us, it transforms the way we see and live and move and have our being. Because it's not about being fishermen. It's not about being any of these things. It's not about who our parents was. It's about who we're following, who we're trying to embody. Now, from this pile of content already, we then move to what does this look like? How does this play itself out in our day-to-day -day life? And we started talking about all these different things, like, like the way of action and the way of encouragement and the way of dependence and of encounter and of confrontation, the way of justice and the way of prayer and the way of hospitality and service. And last week, we talked about the way of the Spirit and it was all rooted in how it's modeled in the person of Jesus. Greg made this great image of this idea of the rabbi-student, rabbi-disciple relationship and all these different things that we talked about and how it's kind of shooting out in all these different directions. And it reminded us of one of the quotes that we used throughout this series, and that was from Esau Macaulay, which says this, as all of Paul's letters make clear, Christian discipleship is about showing how the implications of the gospel spread out in a thousand directions, right? Can you see it? The implications of the gospel are going out in all these different directions. And what we found throughout this series is this is very different from the discipleship we were taught, right? We were taught about curriculum and classes Discipleship 101. Oh, we advanced to Discipleship 201. We decide, well, now we're in 301. We compartmentalize discipleship, and we've made systems that cause us to feel as if we can actually judge who a true disciple is or not based on certain things that we see. 
And over and over again, we've seen this idea that we've made being a disciple into something we do versus something we are. The difference between something we do and something we are. And what we learned is that being an apprentice of Jesus is not something we do or don't do or something we switch on and off at certain times or when we've accomplished certain levels, when we've gotten to a certain age, which is why it is so important for us to understand that discipleship is a lifelong process. It's a lifelong process of growth and maturing in the way of life that's at the core of who we are as followers of Jesus. And so another way to think of it is, is to think a bit of how we are made in the image of God. And if you think about that, there's no way you cannot bear the image of God, right? Doesn't matter if you believe in God or not, you bear the image of God. At the very core of your being is that of a bearer of the image of God. Doesn't matter how different we all look, there's something about the way we are made as human beings that bears the image of God. It's part of who you are. It's not dependent on what you do or don't do. You're an image bearer. Maybe you've had this situation where someone comes up to you and says, you don't seem like you're acting quite like yourself today. Or maybe you've said that about something. The idea of not being yourself today doesn't mean you're not who you are, right? It means you are living or you're treating people or you're speaking or behaving or you're, you're, the way you're doing something seems to be off. It's not that you aren't who you are, but there's something different. Something's not matching up. And we bear the image of God no matter what, but when we live in such a way that embodies who God is in word and deed, we shine, we reveal, we represent an even better picture of what God is like and what it means to flourish as God's creation, as God designed us to be. We're living more fully into who we are designed to be. Sometimes we might in our day say, well, they're in their element. It's like they are connected in every way, like they're doing what they're designed to do. And it's beautiful, right? But if they weren't doing it, it doesn't mean they're not made in the image of God. For example, you've probably heard this before, but I don't know how to swim. And uh, the truth is, I am designed by God in the image of God. And in the way I'm designed, I've been given the ability to swim, right? I, all humans have the ability to swim. Whether I believe it or not, whether I embody that reality in action or not, doesn't change the truth of how I'm designed. And as a person made in the image of God, I have the ability to swim. So then the question becomes, why don't you? Well, there's lots of reasons. But at the very core, um, as much as we also, I just heard Stephanie say fear, even though fear is there for sure, that's actually not it. And it's not effort, although there's part of it. It's not the fact that I'm made of pure 100% muscle, so it's like teaching a rock how to swim. I know you're all going there, but um, at my very core, the reason I don't know how to swim is unbelief. I don't believe I can swim. And as a result of this unbelief, a lot of other things come about. Fear for sure, avoiding the water, avoiding the opportunity to hang out with people that like to be in the water, 
And again, it has nothing to do with my physical abilities or design. It doesn't have to do with the amount of information I have about swimming. I've actually paid for lessons multiple times. Everybody in the world says they can teach me how to swim. They've instructed me how to swim. I've literally been in the water with my kids, teaching them how to swim, watching them learn how to swim, and I still don't know how to swim. So it has nothing to do with my knowledge. It has nothing to do with my information or my, what I've been taught. And it doesn't matter if every one of you says, you can do it, Rich. At the end of the day, the only way I'm going to learn how to swim is to move from unbelief to belief. Now think about it. What happens if at some point, all of a sudden, my mind transforms to believing I can swim? It's going to affect everything. Now, I want to share a quote with you that has something of a, it's been something of a life quote for me um, ever since I became a Christian back in high school, and I, I still have no idea who said it. So the author's unknown, but the phrase goes like this. How you live your life today is how you'll live your life because your life is made up of many days. How you live your life today is how you'll live your life because your life is made up of many days. You see, I've been stuck in unbelief about swimming. Still am, if I'm being honest. And it's obvious in the way I live my life. Day by day, whether I'm acting actively thinking about it or not, uh, it doesn't matter. I have the ability to swim by the way I'm designed, but because I lack belief, I live my life as one who believes they can't. And let's just be really clear. I've missed out on a lot of things as a result of my unbelief. Stuff with my family, stuff with my friends, you name it. Because of my unbelief, I've lived in a certain way and I've missed out. Author and pastor um, Caesar Kalinowski has, a, script, has, a, has a, a quote that we've used over and over again. Discipleship is the process of moving from unbelief to belief in the gospel of Jesus in absolutely every area of our life. It's the process of moving from unbelief to belief in absolutely every area of life, applying the gospel of Jesus in every area of life. And this is what discipleship is like. It's not about what we do. It's about who we are. And the way it comes out or not in our day-to-day life, it has everything to do with what we believe. What you believe about prayer What do you believe about the scriptures? What do you believe about the person of Jesus and the Holy Spirit? What do you believe about how we are to treat people? And the list can go on and on. What you believe about these things affects the way you live your life. Just like what I believe about my ability to swim affects how I live. And depending on what you believe about these things, we are learning from our rabbi Jesus impacts our ability to flourish as God intends us to. But do you believe that, right? Our rabbi says, here's how you pray. Our rabbi says, this is what it looks like to live in the way of God. This is what it looks like to understand the scriptures. Gives us all this understanding as our rabbi. 
But do we believe it? Remember, our rabbi, Jesus, believes we can flourish and be just like him. Our rabbi believes that. God designed us to be able to do so. Not to mention we are even given the Holy Spirit, our helper, who is always with us, who empowers us. But if we don't believe it, it's not going to happen. I can tell you here's what prayer does. Jesus can tell you here's how you should pray. If you don't believe in the power of prayer, are you going to pray? Probably not. And the same goes with all these things we're talking about. All these things our rabbi teaches us. It's just like swimming. How you live your life today is how you'll live your life because your life is made up of many days. And I have to ask myself this every week when I step up here. Do I even believe what I'm teaching? Is this truly expressed in my life? And sometimes I have to honestly pray, God, I believe, help my unbelief. This morning there's a great example. We came in, someone was sleeping in the car in the parking lot. What do I believe about that? How should I respond to that? Then I come in and a little bit later we have somebody who's asking for money. How do I view that? And if I'm being honest, initially I viewed it as a curveball, a distraction. How am I going to get the things done that I need to get done? I'm being honest with you. And then I had to pause and tell myself, wait, these people are made in the image of God just like me. They have a different story than me. This is an opportunity for me to show my faith in Christ to them. It was not easy for me to just kick into that. I actually was given a a text from some other pastors that often um, send a text to Greg and I saying, we're praying for you this morning, which is always lovely. And my initial prayer was, that'd be great, lots of curveballs today. And I had to follow up and say, actually, thank you for your prayers. We had some unique opportunities to share the love of Christ to people this morning. Uh, I have to help myself remember what I believe. Do I believe this? Does it come out in the way I live? And which is why I show up here every week. It's not because of rules or requirement or a paycheck. It's about the power of community, of being part of the family of God. It reminds me of what God has done for me and that God believes in me, that Jesus believes as one of his disciples that I can do this, that there's another way to live that's designed for me to flourish that looks very different from the way of the world. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you have your body, you should underlie that. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. You see, I come here to worship and to pray and to engage the scriptures and to take communion and to be in community, all to be renewed and transformed in the way of Jesus. And I truly believe that happens here, that transformation happens And I want to show you this picture. This picture was 
what our service looked like prior to COVID. We were sitting in the round, and I don't, I don't know if you could see how many people are in there. I mean, this is an awesome turnout today. If you'd been here two weeks ago, there was 14 people here. This is pre-COVID. And COVID has done a very serious number on the church, not just our church, but the church in general. Mostly because of our isolation and our disconnect, it caused us all to get out of our rhythms and routines, which then challenged our beliefs about church, about community, and about our faith. We're forced to change the way we live our lives for over two and a half years. And now that things have begun to open up again, what we believe at our core is being challenged again. And this is really what was at the core of this series, is getting back to the basics, getting back to a true understanding of what it means to follow the way of our rabbi Jesus and what it means to be his disciples and how we live our life. But again, all this content, all this understanding that we've looked at for the last 15 weeks is great, but if it's not moving us from unbelief to belief, then we're not being transformed but that's our hope, is that we are all being transformed, right? That's, that's the hope of this series. And so with that, I want us to spend a little time together in community. Yes. In my mind, that's yes. This one's still working, right? What I'd like to do, ooh, look at that. Hmm. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, transformation. <clears throat> I'd like us to spend some time in community simply talking about what kind of impact the series has had. So I want to put this image back up because I obviously didn't cover all the content that we cut, covered over the series. This, this is, gets us a little bit of a reminder. But what I want us to do, those of you are online, you can do this as well, just share online. But those of you here, maybe with a row or two right in your close vicinity, I would like you to take a, a few minutes to just discuss a couple questions. Um, don't feel like you have to get to all these if all you do is share one, but I want to make sure you all get an opportunity to share, and I want to hear some of it. But where have you been challenged, encouraged, confronted, or moved as a result of this series? And give some examples. How has this come out in action? If that question doesn't connect with you, you can put, you can discuss the question, where have I moved from unbelief to belief during this series? Um, maybe what's changed in me since going through this series? Where have you experienced the Holy Spirit working in you? Um, and what areas of unbelief are you wrestling with? Okay, so what I want you to do just for a few minutes, turn around, talk to the people around you, just make, sh make sure you don't make it such a big group that not everybody gets to share. So maybe four to six people and um, take some time to share. And I want to hear from some of you. Okay. Because again, part of this is, let's be honest. Let's be a community. Let's talk about what we're learning and where we're being challenged and, and what's hard. Those are all really good things as we move forward. So take a few minutes, turn around, discuss. These questions will be left up here. Um, I might flip back and forth to that image with all the content. If that helps you remember some of the stuff we're talking about, then we'll come back and we'll close up in just a few minutes.
About two more minutes. Two minutes. Okay, I'm sure you didn't all get a chance. I'm sorry we didn't have more time. <clears throat> we do have snacks afterwards, so it'd be a great space for you to come and hang out and share some more of what's been going on. But I would love to take a few minutes to hear from anyone who'd be willing to share. Um, so just real briefly, if you have something, um, whether it's one of these questions or something else that you'd like to share, just something that's challenged you, something you've been wrestling with, something you've applied, it's come out in your actions, um, with regards to what you've learned during this time, I'd love to hear it. You could take any of these questions. <laughs> Just something short and sweet. Let me know how this has impacted you, what's been wrestling for you, what's been a challenge for you, how it's coming out in your life. Just like to hear how, how this series has been percolating in us all for the last 15 weeks. Okay, being new in a community, how do you get involved? How do you serve? Yes, awesome. And it's great to have you guys in our community, so, yeah. Others? Okay, so the processing with the idea that everyone is involved, is, is invited into the community of God. Okay, made in the image of God, yeah. Others? Yeah, do I still believe in the power of the gospel to transform me? That's a really good question. That's, I, honestly, I've been wrestling with that the whole series. Again, do, I'm teaching this. Do I believe this? Yeah. Yeah. Others? Okay. Do I still believe prayer is an ongoing conversation? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. So Marty said, how do I have this not be some thread that's just on this side or compartmentalized a part of my life, but how do I allow this to be present in all of what I do? Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, so being a part of a community, being involved, and in it, it's not just for you, but it's for others, that there's, a, there's something important about that community. Yeah. And you really feel it today with all you all being here, the importance of community. Yep. It's strong back in your faith again. Yeah. After COVID and being isolated, it's been Yep. Happen. Yep. Yeah. Stephanie said just the effect COVID has had in keeping us from being in community and what it, what it means to be church was very different. And so now when it's opening up, it, it's causing us to have to question that again. Is being home, again, I'm saying this to my online people, there's some amazing things that have come out of COVID. Um, I'm so thankful that, like, Maddie can be joining us from another country on a regular basis, um, which is awesome. There's people we've been able to connect to. Um, so I don't want to take away that there hasn't been anything good in the midst of COVID. But what it has done is say, is it important for me to be here? I don't know. Is my presence, if, do I need to be serving? If, if I'm serving, is that really that important? Um, and these are just little pieces of discipleship that happen in church. But again, when you take it into day-to-day, moment-to-moment, as-you-go application, what does it look like? It's very different. And we've all been brought up to think of discipleship as a very compartmentalized, piece-by-piece. Piece. I maybe do it here. I maybe do it here. And most of the days, I don't think about it. It's very different. Anything else? Okay, yeah, not being a passive spectator on Sundays. That's really good. So for me, the um, thread throughout all of the series has been that amazingly, diversely, the Holy Spirit is constantly showing up in, in the gospel in the life of Jesus. Mm. That's awesome. Now I wish I had you on a mic. That's what was nice. Uh, <laughs> Kirsten was basically saying there's been a really great picture of kind of the participatory movement of the Spirit that's with us wherever we go, and we see it throughout Jesus' example with his disciples. There's all these, these opportunities that come about, and just seeing how it's very natural as we go, and that the Holy Spirit is there, and, and just being able to see that woven into that relational dynamic, and trying to figure out what that looks like for us in our day-to-day. Is that? And she said thanks to Rich and Greg. Just putting to go on the record. Thank you. <laughs> Anything else? I want to make sure I'm aware of time, and I, I really hope you all keep talking about this because, again, f- talking about this for 14, 15 weeks is nice, but if it's not transforming us, we're missing out. The hope is that it's transforming us because discipleship didn't stop when we graduated from high school. It didn't stop when we were done with college. It doesn't stop when we have kids or when we have kids who become teens or when we become empty nesters. Discipleship doesn't stop when we become empty nesters, right? 
Discipleship is a lifelong journey of following our rabbi, learning and growing in how we embody the way of Jesus. And that leads me to the one other thing, the kind of final thought I want to give us and challenge us with as disciples of Jesus moving forward. And, and we see it in a picture where here Jesus has invested in his disciples now for three years. They've been just in this ongoing, as-we-go experience for, 12, uh, for these 12 for three years. Jesus has conquered death and has risen again and gives us this perfect example and picture of how we're to live as his disciples. And then Jesus connects with his disciples in Matthew 28, 16, and it says this, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped and some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, name of the Son, and name of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. As we end this series, which we've talked about and learned what it means to be a disciple of Jesus for 15 weeks straight, the last thing I want you all to hear is that Jesus says, I want you to go and make other disciples. Jesus says to the disciples, you are literally teetering between worship and doubt. And that's okay. You've been with me. I know you can do this. Now go and make other disciples. He doesn't say, I'm sorry, you still don't got it. You still haven't memorized this many verses. You haven't done this. You haven't prayed enough prayers or any of those kinds of things. He says, you're in the midst of worship and doubt, and I want you to go and do this. In other words, Jesus wants me, Jesus wants you to not just be a disciple of Jesus, but he wants us all to be making other disciples of Jesus. Jesus wants us all to continue learning the way of Jesus and helping others to learn the way of Jesus as well. And here's the deal. It's not enough for us to know this. It's not enough for us to have studied the Great Commission or to memorize these verses or to know what each of these words mean in the Greek. That's all nice. But our rabbi Jesus says, this is what I want you to do, and I believe you can do it. Even that is not enough. The question is, do you believe it? Do you believe this is what Jesus is asking of you? And do you believe you can do it like Jesus says you can do it? That's a really good question for us to be asking as we open up, as we move into the fall. And this is where I believe the transformation needs to happen for us as a church moving forward. What if we all prayed, I believe, help my unbelief in this? What if we all started taking these things that we're wrestling with and saying that prayer, God, I believe, help my unbelief with regards to prayer, with regards to my understanding of the scripture, my belief that you are with me, Holy Spirit, at every moment that you call me to be a disciple and to help others be disciples. As we close out this series, I want to be clear. Our church is in great need of disciples of Jesus who are making other disciples of Jesus. Our children need this. And our youth need this. And our young adults need this. And our young married couples need this. And our parents of little ones need this, and our parents of teens need this, and our empty nesters need this, and our grandparents need this, our tutoring program needs this, our dinner church needs this, 
Our community needs this. We all need this. And the picture of a disciple making disciples is not a person who has got it all figured out, helping somebody else get it all figured out, right? Hopefully we've seen that. Teetering between worship and doubt, you can do this. What would it look like if we're all not just growing as disciples, but helping others grow as disciples? Imagine what that looks like from the littlest in our church to the oldest in our church, and not just within our church, but out there as well. And that's really our hope for us as a church as we move forward in the way of Jesus. And starting in a couple weeks, we're going to be diving into 1 John. And um, 1 John is just a great text that's really putting a lot of this into words, what this looks like, and we really hope you'll join us. But I want to close us in prayer. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back. We're going to have just a little more reflective space. Um, if you want some questions to reflect on or to respond to, you can use your connection card to do so. They're on your seats or there's a link on the platform. But don't even feel like you necessarily need to do that. Um, what I am including on this slide, though, is uh, another translation of Romans 12. And this is by Eugene Peterson's uh, translation of the Bible called The Message. And this language to me is so perfect for what it looks like for us to be disciples um, and, and what it looks like to be transformed and what it looks like to apply this in our day-to-day. So as the band comes forward, they're going to play. I'm going to leave this slide up. If you need some questions, great. If you want to just read this text over a couple times, great. Um, but feel free to use this space to pray, to process, to confess, to own whatever you want to do. I want you to know our prayer team is going to be up here as well. So those of you who are here, for any reason you can think of, please come and pray. If you're online, um, please use the prayer app as well. All you do is hit request prayer on the left side and, and they can connect with you. Um, so they're there for you. Um, but we'll have some space to uh, reflect um, and then we're going to close with a song of response. Um, but I want to read this text to you, then I'm going to pray, and we'll move on. It says this, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its levels of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Father, Son, Spirit, may we continue this lifelong journey of being followers of you and the ways of you, Jesus. God, we do pray, we believe, and ask you to help us with our unbelief because we truly all have it. And we want to be transformed because we believe um, your way is the way of flourishing as the most best way we were designed. And we confess it's not easy. It's hard. But God, as we come and we worship and we pray and we join together as family, we're reminded of these truths. And so God, as we go, keep those truths in us and help us to continue to mature in this. Um, and give us a vision of what this looks like moving forward as church, as individuals, what it looks like to be disciples who make disciples. Help us seek out people who can disciple us as well. 
and just be with us as we process and we sing this last song of response. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.